Storie Libere Presents Life is there and life is sexual and they are watching life they will see animals making love they will see birds making love and you may go on believing that they have never seen you making love you can go on believing it but children know that their parents make love in the beginning they may think they are fighting or something but sooner or later they will discover that something is going on behind their backs why create these suspicions and doubts why not be true and children are very understanding they immediately accept the fact they have no prejudices they have no notion of right and wrong if you tell them the truth They understand it is so and they forget all about it. And it will create a great trust in you. You never deceive them. Be very simple, direct. We know Osho was called the sex guru because his followers were free to express their sexual impulses with more than one partner, and indeed were actively invited. The master had no problem at all talking about sex, and he gave very graphic advice on how to get the best from it. Because of this, at some point, someone must have asked him how to behave regarding a child's question, should they witness a sexual act. And Osho answers that you have to be sincere. You must tell the child the truth. But Osho doesn't take into account one thing, that children imitate adults. They want to be like them and do the things they do. What happens then if what they want to imitate is sex. This is Roberta Lippi. I write for TV, radio and the web. You are listening to Soli, a journey into the memories of children who grew up in Osho's communes between the beginning of the 70s and the first half of the 80s. Today, We're talking about Swami Anand Satish, born in 1973, who has spent almost his entire life between the European communes Rajnishpuram and Pune too. Satish is one of those adults unafraid to say how precocious his experiences in the Sanyasin community were. All of them, including the sexual ones. I grew up first in a place called Purvodaya, one of the first sannyasin communes in Germany. And initially I went there with my mom. I must have been maybe four or five years old. Uh, then I went to live in Oregon over, uh, over stopping first in Portland. I went to a regular school. By that time I was maybe seven or eight. Yeah, I had taken sannyas myself. Uh, nobody told me to take sannyas. One day I asked somebody about sannyas, what, what it means to be a sannyasin. 
And they said, uh, look, you know, it's no big deal. You just wear red, you get a mala, and you get a new name. And I thought, well, that, that's, that's it, and I can stop any time. And he said, yeah, you can drop sannyas any time. So I thought, okay, what, you know, what's there to lose? Satish, who wrote a book on his experience titled Delicate Frequencies, often refers to the text when talking about his memories. He writes. The colors I wore became red, red socks, red pants, and so on. I loved it. I fell into a vast, deep red ocean. Life in the commune was mostly a time of celebration. The nights would fill with lights of many colors, Big bonfires crackled, songs sang, and dances danced. One was the joyful Sufi dance, of the kind I have not seen again since. Satish's mother was a very busy woman, but also a hippie. So her son had been living in communes since he was very young. He had almost never seen his father. His parents had met while traveling, and after a short relationship, he'd returned to America. Satish then moved with his mother away from Munich to the commune of Purvodaya, around two and a half hours from the city. His mother stayed there with him for a short time, as he remembers. The longer we were there, the more independent I became. My relationship with my mother was not based on her having to take care of me all the time. As often, I wouldn't see her during the day. When she wanted to go to India without me, it was fine for me. Of course, I felt slightly left behind, but I really had many things to do and many friends to play with. I felt truly free of all mothers and fathers. I think it is rare that I grew up without being totally attached to my parents. It made me more responsible for my actions. Many situations came where I learned things about life they might have never happened if my mother was there. Of that first commune, little Satish remembers how annoying it was to be woken up every morning by the screams of those undergoing dynamic meditation. And the pleasure he felt falling back asleep when it got to the silent phase. He also remembers the room where breakfast was held, a former barn where, in the morning, he and the other children could often hear the moans coming from the mezzanine. Since none of the adults' explanation convinced them, the children soon discovered on their own that it was a certain Satyam, who had sex with a different conquest every time. Satyam, according to Osho's teachings, explained to the children what was going on. For the children, the things that adults did became a show to study, position by position. And soon, they felt they needed to learn whether they were able to imitate the adults. Satish writes. Sex was freely accepted, and it was no surprise if you'd come across a magazine with pictures of good-looking people making love. I was inclined to try it out myself. My beautiful babysitter, Sohi, was exciting to hang out with. One day we went to her living space. I don't remember exactly what we did together, but I felt fresh and happy afterwards. 
six years old. This had been my first sexual encounter. Now, most honorable citizens get really shocked by this when I tell them about this incident. But in my young innocence, nothing was serious or problematic. Satish, like all the other children, was often left to his own devices, free to experiment. At the age of six, he already had a girlfriend in the commune. Lillian, same age, with whom he first experienced full sexual intercourse. Yeah, I grew up there, so I had my first sex uh, very young uh, because, of course, I saw everybody having it. So I tried it out and it was an interesting experience. Satish remembers fake weddings taking place with the little girls and how badly he took them. The girls would arrange weddings between a girl and a boy. I also was married a few times. Once, it took a while before they could convince me to do it. The reason being that, at that moment, I felt like not being a boy, but rather like a black girl. So, logically, it made no sense to become a husband when I didn't even feel like being a man. Explaining this problem was no use. The other kids didn't care about my dilemma and told me that you are what you are, and swiftly married me anyway. So the children create spaces to play in which are pleasant and intimate. So intimate that adults often choose those very spots to hide in and make love. The children then have to share their spaces with adults who are doing things to which no child their age usually has access to. In 1981, Satish's mother returns from India. By this point, Everyone knows Osho is about to move to America, and she wants to keep following him. Because of this, she decides to send Satish to Miami, where his grandmother lives, and then to Oregon, where his father is, telling him she'll join him as soon as she finds the money for another ticket. Satish doesn't get along with his father's new family, and for the first time attends a normal school in Portland, something which he remembers as one of the worst times in his life. When his mother arrives, the two move to the small Portland commune, basically a flat, where there is only another child aside from Satish. But Osho arrives, right there, very close to them in Oregon. So they must go to Rajnishpuram. As soon as he gets there, Satish gets in trouble. He goes to buy a beer with his money, and he is immediately joined by the other children, who'd never seen him, and almost all knew each other from Pune. He starts bragging, they play a mad catch-up, and chastisement swiftly follows. They are all sent to report to Sheila, who makes the child understand he's exaggerating. Satish says he doesn't even know the meaning of that word. At the ranch, all children live in a great dormitory. But Satish's mother returns to Portland, where she is put to work in the Rajneesh Hotel. The children's days follow a precise routine. Wake up call at 6am, bus to the cafeteria, breakfast at 7 and work at 8 in the learning centre, which, as Satish remembers, is fundamentally a place where to learn things you'll need for work. 
my routine was just either work or school that day or sometimes it was half half and most of it was really really great i had different jobs of course everybody was working we had a lot of activities for kids there it was really i think the best place in the world really i never been in such a beautiful place again uh for kids and it's sad to say that i do feel the whole thing has been misunderstood because for children it was it was great and and there were kids who who maybe didn't fit in or didn't have such a good time but that's kind of rare it was rare in those days uh we didn't have any uh wingers or winers very much Satish's first job is with the firefighters Mostly I painted little tin buckets in red When they were ready, we filled them with sand and brought them to the smoking temples. They were used for cigarette butts. Satish also worked with electricians and lawyers, and he repaired bicycles. At the time, he was eight. As we saw in the past episodes, children were often left free, and they easily escaped the adults' control. In Rajnishpuram, their games were fundamentally built on interaction with nature. Great races, explorations, summers diving in water and winters diving in the snow. Often they got sick without anyone noticing. One time I got sick with such a strong virus that I was stuck in bed without an ounce of energy left in me. I couldn't make a single move without a huge and powerful headache blasting my young nervous system. Oh. Sadly, nobody came around to take care of me or even came by just to say, "You better see a doctor." I couldn't even get out of my bed to go for a pee. Because there was nobody else around, I asked Ram to get me an empty cup from downstairs for me to pee into. He brought one for me. which at the time I thought was really amazing. The next day an ambulance came to pick me up. The children could end up in hospital. They often tried alcohol and cigarettes. They often came close to setting houses on fire. They looked at magazines and films well above their age. Satish is a precocious child who falls in love a thousand times. But what he's looking for at this point is a sexual partner. He writes in the book how he got a crush on a little Thai girl, the adopted daughter of a German couple, and how they kept getting more and more physical for 6 weeks, a very long time for a child. Since she rejected his more daring sexual proposals, he left her for another one. I ask him what he thinks of that now. And since he's the first to speak about it openly, whether he thinks all this freedom may have led to traumas that were never acknowledged and dealt with, and whether he knows of any abuse that took place. Yeah, in in Pune 1 in the 70s, uh yeah, that was kind of true. You had people uh having sex just like in the regular world. people were having sex everywhere. Uh children, yeah, abused 
I don't know. This whole story with abuse is kind of like a like a taboo subject. Uh, always has been, I guess. Always will be until people drop all the issues they have with sex in general. I think children like myself, we were very lucky to learn about our sexuality early, so I didn't have to uh, get stuck in any mazozado or gay, lesbo, whatever the hell. I mean, it's all sex is a simple beautiful thing and i think it's just been misunderstood and that carries on within the sannyas community because the sannyasins themselves came from the regular world and i don't think it was a big difference it was just like in the 70s it was a bit more wild and it was wild everywhere little satish is destined to move around all the time sheila the secretary and spokesperson for osho has begun her campaign to conquer enelope the town next door to Rajnishpuram, in which she moves the sannyasins for mere electoral reasons. Because of this, some ranch residents need to move there, and the children with them. Furthermore, they need to attend school. Our school was very unusual. Our teachers taught more or less in the conventional manner, but we were not forced to do anything. If a pupil didn't grasp something, it was left alone, unless he himself wanted to get the information. This was vital in order to have fun while learning. Grades were not dished out. Consequently, none of us felt inferior to the other. Because we had an independent school system, I had very long vacations. Of course, I had no real vacations. I would always work, or at least pretend to work, whole weeks, no days off. I got no cash. Each of us got a voucher for $10 a month. At school, the children watch movies like The Day After and Soylent Green. The excuse is that they're encouraged to think about important themes. But in fact, these difficult, apocalyptic titles create in the children the feeling that the world outside, of which they know very little, is a terrible place, close to self-destruction. In the meantime, each of them becomes responsible for a younger child, an evolution of what was already happening in Rajnishpuram. It was very exciting and um, we had up to whatever it was, 250 kids, and depending on the, the festival season and the year, sometimes we actually took care of the kids that came from outside, friends who would come and we would be there like uh, to take care of them. And, and there was a whole system of caring for kids and older kids took care of younger kids. The antelope period is also the time when the sannyasins become paranoid about AIDS. And girls Satish likes want older boys, so he has to take refuge in masturbation. The paradox is that Satish learned to masturbate years after experimenting with full sexual intercourse. When he returns to the ranch, Satish finds everything bigger and better organized, and a few things make him suspicious. For instance, there is a helicopter which flies over the dormitories at night to make sure everyone has gone to sleep. Many of them are quarantined for non-existent illnesses, and Satish 
sees some of his friends there for the last time, in quarantine. When he returns to the dorms, he finds out that the adults know things none of the children would have revealed, such as the night drinking parties. It's clear that the children are being spied on, as everyone is, and as the entire community will soon find out. From then on, things will happen very fast. Sheila will flee, and Osho will be arrested. The Sanyazins are left alone, without a leader and without money. Satish's mother comes to get him and proposes they go to Germany. Thanks to some friends, the two finally manage to get two tickets for Frankfurt. They are left with nothing. Satish becomes Tobias again and goes to school. He can't speak a word of German, but at 13, he knows he's two or three years ahead of the others, especially concerning girls. Satish ends up in the communes of Berlin, Dusseldorf, Cologne. And following Osher's teachings, such as, if I'm here, I must still give 100%, he becomes the first of his class. Meanwhile, his mother can barely deal with what happened to her. She is disgusted by how things have ended. She feels betrayed and she blames Osho. My relationship with my mother got a bit rough when she saw that I kept going out the door into the world. She says to me now how hard it was to let go of me. We would have bitter discussions on the odd occasion. I began to hate her inability to let go. Satish has never stopped since. He has learned how to DJ in the communes as a boy and has moved to Goa. Now he lives in Portugal, where he follows a Jamaican guru, Muji, but he says it's a completely different thing. I ask him what he thinks of what happened and what it meant for his life to have been a Sanyazin child. I think definitely in the name of whatever, people take too many liberties on, on any level, emotionally, physical, mentally, sexually, whatever. I don't think that was a big deal. It wasn't happening too much. Most, I would say, 95% of everybody was very consenting and and what it means is basically i was got lucky in a way that i could grow up this way and experience the things i did and i wouldn't change anything and i loved uh, bhagwan and i loved rajneesh puram and i loved all the sannyasin friends so many beautiful people i met along the way and all of that is so much more amazing than whatever you've read in the press uh, any all day Satish hints that many of Osho's children are now successful people. And he's not wrong. We have seen it in the stories we've been told. The world is full of creatives, directors, actors and writers who come from that experience. We have another example in Italy. In the next episode, we'll talk about it with Camilla Radznovic, a well-known TV presenter who wrote a book about her experience, Lori Farei, I'd Do It Again. 
We'll find out if that's still true. This is Roberta Lippi, and I look forward to having you back for the next episode of Soli, here on storielibere.fm. The international version of Soli has been translated by Edoardo Rialti. The international voice of Roberta Lippi is Cecilia Gragnani. Storie Libere Production by Gianandrea Cerone and Rossana De Michele. Editorial Supervisor Guido Guenci and Chiara Tagliaferri. Post and Sound Design Era Zero.